0: I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. Okay, today I am really excited to have my guest on. She is my mentor and longtime friend, Brigitte Reese Anderson. Her career spans an impressive four decades at the top level of the industry. She's one of the most accomplished and respected makeup artists intersecting the world of fashion and celebrity. Brigitte started her journey in Paris and soon became a sought after collaborator with renowned photographers Helmut Newton and Guy Bourdin. After moving to New York City, she built working relationships with Patrick de Marchelier, Irving Penn, Michael Thompson, and so many more, collaborating on iconic uh, editorial stories and advertising campaigns. To date, Reese Anderson boasts a portfolio of over 200 covers, including Vogue, Vanity Fair. Harper's Bazaar and Elle. Brigitte also has an impressive and diverse A list clientele, including Michelle Pfeiffer, Lupita Yongo, Catherine Deneuve, Naomi Harris, Amelia Clark, and Taylor Swift. She's also worked with an impressive get this 28 Academy Award winners, including Meryl Streep, Tilda Swinton, and Jane Fonda. Brigitte Sanderson has accomplished the rare feat of working with the greats in fashion, music, and film with decades of craft and artistry. Brigitte, welcome to In My Chair.
1: Well, thank you, Gwen. I'm delighted to talk to you, like we do often anyway. <laughs>
0: I know. This time it's for a, a good
1: purpose. It feels very official.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you're upstate. I am. And have you been there most of the pandemic?
1: Yes, um, most of the time. uh, I've taken refuge here because uh, I felt that the city was really stressful uh, to me. I'm on the Upper West Side, and for a minute there, things didn't feel great.
0: And have you had to go back to the city for work at all or anything?
1: Uh, Yeah, occasionally. Uh, I wouldn't call it a busy time, (laughs) But uh yeah, we've been going back back and forth a little bit and and as of uh, maybe uh, 2 3 months it feels like uh yeah, I'm okay with being there a little more. Um you know, because I I was I tell you what the difference was is um one of the visits when they opened up the museums, I went to the Met uh museum and it kind of changed everything for me. It was like, "Oh my gosh," I remember this. This feels normal. I culture. To, culture. Give me give me yeah. culture. Give me inspiration. And you know what? And it changed my psyche in the sense that I felt like, oh, uh, yes, uh, I remember the city. I need to be here more.
0: So have you worked at all? I mean, I've been really slow. I've had like sporadic jobs here and there. I, it's funny because in our industry, whenever you see someone you haven't seen, it's like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a day off. Hashtag always working. And I was like, you know, I'm not doing that this time. It's Hashtag a pandemic.
1: loving my life. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, you know, I'm just going to be real. No, it sucks. We're not working. There's oh. no income coming in. And it's just It what sucks it completely. Is. And also, we don't have like the background to have, you know, health, free healthcare, or, you know, a steady paycheck coming in. It's really bad. No, it's and, really I, bad.
1: I've had, I've been lucky, because I think when the pandemic happened, uh, for the, f- you know, there were a few big jobs that happened, because I think the, 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 the brands that I was working with needed to sort of close their books. And, Get stuff done because they were afraid of a second lockdown or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of that uh, that I was very lucky with, but at the same time, a, a huge trepidation because if the COVID protocol wasn't done well, I felt like, wait a minute, I'm putting my life in danger here for what? Yeah. So, but I was very lucky in the in in the in the sense that the two first big jobs, which were commercials that I did, the COVID protocol was so well done that it set the bar and now oh, i i felt like oh okay now i understand how to do this and since then i've been like an advocate for it. let's do it this way um and uh, so there's been a little bit of that and then there's been a little bit of working with you know my old time uh, loyal clients that uh, who know me who know that i don't go out and party and I, I wouldn't put myself at risk and neither would I put them at risk either. So there's been a little bit of that, but uh, you,
0: you decided not to go to the gay rave in Miami <laughs> right before coming back.
1: I, I considered it. And then I thought, man, you know, I don't know how great it's going to be.
0: <laughs> I remember that I was assisting you during the 2008, um, you know, cra- market crash.
1: Oh my goodness. And that
0: was already like, like, Scary. Yeah, it was like everybody, people at the top got all of the jobs that they normally would turn down and, and, you know, but it was like, you got to take what you can get. And people like myself who were assisting at the time, it was like, there was nothing unless you could do hair and makeup. both. Like, it was just terrible. This reminds me a little bit of that time. Well,
1: you're forgetting a little detail also that maybe the people at the top got the jobs, but for a pittance, Mm -hmm. you know, for a fifth of what it would have been. Um, because everybody was crying about poverty. So um, even if one was working, it was for much less.
0: So when you were starting makeup and you were in Paris, were the hot shots in the Jose Luis, who you assisted, or the um, the other big makeup artists of the time, were they like making a ton of money and big superstars, or was it just a different industry?
1: It was a completely different industry. Um, so I started... In 1980, I put the, the the dot on 1980. I dabbled in it before, but it became totally for real in 1980. At that time, uh, well, there were there were barely any makeup artists. There were um, there was a sort of two handfuls of very famous people that did everything. My mentor Jose Luis was uh, one of them. Um, most. Makeup artists were affiliated with brands. They would still do editorial and stuff, but for a brand, that's why in magazines from the late 70s, for instance, magazines that I collected, you didn't see the name of the makeup artist because they had a contract. So it was like, if you were lucky, you'd see Pablo for Elizabeth Arden because that was the the, the magical Pablo. But most of the time it'd be makeup uh, for Elizabeth Arden or José Luis for uh, Helena Rubinstein and other brands that were how did Nobody these made guys... money, right? Nobody made money. I mean, it was not about the money. Models didn't make that much money. The ones who made money were photographers, and even then, it was like they they did well, but nothing like, like the money their images came out.
0: weren't getting repurposed like they do today, or you know, where and, you well, can still were, make money, you know,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. I think I think there were less opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. For, but don't you think was, as an assistant then? If your mentor couldn't do a job or you happened to be in the right place at the right time, you could have gotten a cover or a great editorial by whatever in the universe. Now, you would have to, you would have to kill 100 people ahead of you who would be available for the job.
1: Well, at the time, uh, and I, um, I was an assistant to this extraordinary person, José Luis, for three years. I worked for free. That was the tradition of the mentorship. And I know that the kids now would say, What? Work for free? It doesn't make any sense. But it did then, because uh, as we were told, and and it was true, it's like either you pay, you know, $10,000 to go to a bad makeup school. Most makeup schools are or were uh, not that great. Uh, They taught you, you know, techniques that were kind of old already then. Um, And instead of doing that, because Elwi said, "Why don't you use that money to live in Paris?" I, because I grew up in Sta- in Sweden, um, and moved to Paris to work with him eventually. And he said, "Why don't you use that money to, ha- you know, to f- to cover your life expenses?" And I will make sure that you make money. So oh. on a day to day basis, I would work with him for free. But then when he couldn't do a job, he would send me as a replacement, and I would get paid. And he always made sure that I had enough. You know, I, I never remember that was enough
0: what, to sustain you for years. Like just...
1: Sustain me in order while I was building a portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I started makeup in eighty in Sweden. I, I was very uh, sort of uh, a beginner level, but since there were no makeup artists there, I. I you know, I did very well. You were
0: just the best in Sweden in 1980. <laughs> yes, I
1: mean, one truly. out of two. <laughs> one out of two, and the and the other girl, Lulu Murray, she became the makeup artist and uh, stylist, if I remember right, for ABBA. So oh. there, Now it sets the the. You know, now you understand what we're talking about here. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so uh,
0: I want to know when you started doing makeup in that year, though. Can you tell what was the look?
1: Um, the look was, um, the rule was the foundation had to be a little lighter. So two shades lighter was the, the norm. To... Same
0: undertone, but just lighter.
1: Yeah. And okay. that's why in a lot of the pictures that you see now, there's always that difference. And, uh, that, well, I think that was to offset the very colorful palette or very dramatic. The, the makeup was very dramatic. So there was like, uh, uh, what did you, Jose Luis? invented one sort of look for <clears throat> for Yves Saint Laurent who he worked for uh, when it launched excuse me <clears throat> and he called it the fleeting l'œil uh, l'œil fuyant l'œil effacé, something like that and it it meant the eye that you know is drawn out um and so you know robert palmer um uh, addicted to love that video um,
0: genius
1: Yes, that that kind of says it Oh, So it was very strong eye. Was it very that pale time? Skin. It was around there, yeah. Yeah. Um, very pale skin and red lips or a very strong lip, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah. And so, so there was pale. no we lifestyle.
0: Were, we, no one was we, doing no was makeup, makeup.
1: We, makeup, makeup. And it was glorious. Mm-hmm. So fun. And
0: <clears> was it something that you just, like, could learned off the bat when you went in? Or did you have – did he, uh, was it like a learning curve for you to kind of figure out like oh i'm in paris now i'm not oh back home oh my
1: god i i mean the difference was day and night i thought i was doing makeup before <laughs> 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 but, but i was clearly dabbling and I, I remember i i was you know it's just you're a you, do, you make all the mistakes when you're young first of all you fall in love with what you're doing so you're you're always afraid to erase anything Right. So you know, you could just try to finagle it. And I remember telling one photographer um, in Stockholm, we were doing a beauty thing, and clearly my the two eyes that I did were not the same, like at all. And I just told him to shoot it from a certain angle so you didn't see the <laughs> other one. I was like, I want you to shoot this one, and not because it was a better picture, but to save my 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 booty, but. Anyway, and then so I, I, I came to Paris and my God, the difference. Uh, it was crazy. It was like, that was, that was magic. And it was so chic and so beautiful. And he was faster than anything I've ever seen ever. Um, and I just couldn't believe the, the, you know, what it was. And I, I you know, why sell somewhere, has videos of him doing the make. He was the first one to have the contract and they've never, I've never seen them anywhere, but if they could unearth those, I think people's socks would be blown away because it was, and we
0: could see you in the background
1: uh, holding a brush. Yes. (laughs) And and yanked because I was talking too much. Don't talk, look, (laughs) look, learn. Anyway. So three years um, I was really, really learning. Um, A, how to handle myself in a studio, how to work with the big photographers that he was working with. He he did everything. And also a few of the celebrities like Kathleen Deneuve, who I I got to know at that time. And then, you know, three years later, I had my first Vogue cover because he couldn't do it.
0: Wow. I mean, that's the kind of thing where I think could never really happen now.
1: Well, first of all, you don't have the apprenticeship that way. Right. Uh, so you don't have that nurturing. You see, then the the business was a, you had all the legends, and B, if you if you didn't know anybody in that world, you would not get in. Like, who the heck are you? There were no likes, you know, right. on on the social media platform. So you had to be introduced, and that's that's how that happened. So I I was introduced as the assistant, and that's how I met Helmut Newton. I met uh, all the all the great photographers. And they also uh, Vogue, which was the main our the main magazine he worked for. He worked for them all, but Vogue was really like home. Uh, every couture show came with a crazy schedule of shooting, and you were assigned to one photographer. So he was assigned to often to Helmut Newton or Guy Bourdin somebody, and then I was the lowly assistant that had to make we you know that they counted on to m- make sure that he came on time, which he never did. <laughs> and, and 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 such, so they knew my face. They knew me as the lowly assistant. And then one day, um, you know, he wasn't in the mood to do something. And it was uh, Albert Watson, and it was uh, Paris Vogue, and I got my break. And and Albert was such a great guy because he was a teacher. He would always teach. He would stop the whole shoot and explain why it had to be done this way. See there was a whole mentorship on on ev- from everybody. You learned a lot just by being in just by being there. So you absorbed everything. You learned how to, you know, what your place was, how to handle things, how to imagine things. So and all of that um unfortunately that type of apprentice, apprenticeship does not exist. I mean, I think you were the last one that got under the barbed wire there.
0: Yeah, um, I imagine if you're doing someone who does like tons of shows, like obviously, like a Pat McGrath has a oh, first assistant yes. who does that full time, and that's kind of how they come up.
1: True, I, I don't, I don't know how she handles her team, but at, at, you know, my years, uh, the makeup artists who had assistants had a real responsibility for their, you know, future careers and well being. Right. Totally. So, so. Yeah.
0: So I know that you. I want to go back to you moving to Paris because explain. I have heard this a lot of times. I'm still like figuring it out. You are French, but you're also many other things. So, explain to to me your your background again.
1: Which my family, my all of that. Yeah, well
0: you you went to France and and obviously were French and and fluent in French, but you grew up. In- oh.
1: Okay. So, well, my family history is extremely complicated, but, uh, to make it simple, um, my father, well, my, my, there's a branch of my, but we're all from Provence and then a branch of the family went to Indochina, which is Vietnam today. Um, for three generations, new members of the family were, were added by marriage and birth. And, uh, then, uh, the, the, there was the end of the war and the French got thrown out, so they went back to France. My father, who was uh, three-quarter Asian, um, moved to Sweden to escape an arranged marriage and uh, met my mother, who was Finnish, and I was born in Sweden.
0: Well, I was going to ask, how did that affect your like beauty ideal? Because you didn't have anyone, unless there was someone in your family, who looked like you.
1: Yeah, I had my, you know, on my father's side, everybody looked mixed.
0: Right. Um, But I'm just saying, like, when you're growing up and and there's one beauty standard or beauty ideal. Well, don't forget,
1: I I also went to that international school. So, you know, my friends were from Indonesia and China and, you know, everywhere. So you were kind of protected by that.
0: Right. And then what about when you went to Paris? That must have been, like, going somewhere where... uh, you know, was multicultural and every gay, stray, everything.
1: Well, the gay thing was hugely important. Uh, so that was, that was a, that was a, a, how shall I say it? An, an universe that I was so comfortable with and in already, you know, this was the disco era and um, I was already mixed with uh, mixed in, in that world because of the clubs and stuff like that. My friends were hairdressers. Even as I was a teenager, and I, and I had my my five minutes of uh, modeling, so I was scouted around that time, and they were like, "Well, you're the only Asian around, so you're going to get all the Asian jobs." And I was like, "I'm in," and <laughs> and, uh, and I worked it. So I dyed my hair black because I don't—that's not my hair color really. I have dark hair, but not uh, not jet black as it became. But don't forget, I'm, my, ha- my friends were hairdressers. Um and I I worked the crap out of the look and so it I immediately managed to make that an advantage. Were
0: the gay people in your world were they just out and living proudly yes. gay or was it okay? Yes, yeah. Because in the fashion industry, it's, it was always that way. Probably
1: the fashion industry has always been a refuge, yes, and and a place where people could express themselves.
0: So when you eventually moved to New York. Did you have to change, like, because America, I think things were more different than, like, we didn't have the internet, obviously the internet, or people weren't, it just wasn't, things moved slower. So when you got to New York, did you have to change anything about, A, your makeup, or B, yourself, to kind of get work and fit in?
1: Well, uh, what happened was that, uh, so I came here in eighty seven. And uh, at the time, the American editorial was sort of, if I could describe it in one sentence or a few words only, it was like all beige. (laughs) Earth tones. Nice. Um, That was the biggest thing, earth tones. And I came from Couture Paris, so white skin, red lips, uh, smoky eye, and the two of them did not mash. (laughs) Um, so it was
0: like I, christy Brinkley, right
1: very christy Brinkley,
0: okay, yeah, that's what I'm thinking in my mind
1: <laughs> and um yeah, so i had a I had a hard time i first of all, um I just didn't understand you know the the, the thing of read the room and right. hope that you you know hope that you all speak the same language, did not speak the same language <laughs> they they were like, do natural makeup, well, I could certainly do natural makeup, but European style, which is natural makeup. They were doing terracotta natural,
0: heavy natural, as someone once
1: heavy asked. natural. Yes, right. a whole number natural. So, which kind
0: of in a weird, horrible way came back with the whole like Instagram course. thing. Heavy natural, <laughs>
1: yes, because we never, you know, that never evolved from there. But anyway, um, so yes, for a year I did not really work that much. Um, I, you know went to go sees I went to show my book I got thrown out of a studio once because they were like this is not what we think about this is not what we're thinking um you don't need to come back tomorrow
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you knew why
1: and um well a all of that was terribly humbling and b the reason I came to New York was not to make a career I was I was running away from a broken heart Uh, okay So I was, I was like, uh, it's okay. Uh, You know, I, I dried my eyes, I came over and um, I had an apartment on the 10th floor in the Lower East Side. And I was like, I can reinvent myself right here. (laughs) And, uh, and it was all like, so everything was bizarre, because in Paris, when you worked, you worked Day and night, there was never you, you. You know, the starting time of nine o'clock was just a mere suggestion. People showed up <laughs> around ten. Then you had a long lunch. Then you, you know, yeah, and you went on until eleven p.m. Sometimes the photographer. I mean, we're talking, you know, legends. They would say, "I hate everything we've do we've done. We're going to reshoot it right now." <clears throat> and then you'd wow. be there all night. And we all did it because it was a it was a calling. Not a job, not a job. you did it because you were passionately uh loving every minute of it now, right, that said, I'll repeat it again. These were all legends um i you know if they had not been, I don't think anybody would have put up with that crap. But the old photographers from the fifties were still around, but now they were like seventy and seventy five and up. They were sort of at the end of their career, but they were still around. And we're talking. Uh, I worked with either as an assistant or not uh, as myself uh, with people like Norman Parkinson and Henry Clark and uh, Frank Horvat and all these people. Nobody knows who they are except the people who love photography because their work is always in a museum, always in books, always as a reference. Um, and the only one who survived the the has been been is uh, Irving Penn because he knew how to keep keep it moving so to speak but anyway i, Has I he worked. changed
0: his style
1: he he explored he kept exploring i i gosh i even worked with hero uh these are you know and then and then a little later like uh david bailey uh you know william Klein, Scavulo, antonio lopez people like that
0: and do you think they all felt the pressure of youth
1: no they were kings <laughs>
0: they were men because they were men. They were
1: too. masters. Not, right. no, not so much because we in France we had the uh, Sacha was huge, Deborah Turbeville, but there were always fewer women. Absolutely, uh, always. And actually, that's another thing about uh, who was around and gay and not gay is that the the fashion business, uh, especially hair and makeup, et cetera, agents, hair and makeup, dominated by men and gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, for well, sure. And hair, but in particular, I mean, I only knew a handful of female hairdressers and uh, few of them survived. You know what I mean? Uh, the, yeah. The, the march of time. but uh, I thought
0: you were going to say from AIDS.
1: Well, then there was that drama. Yes. Then there was a terrible, terrible time. But that was when
0: you came to New York was like one of 87 no, I started,
1: started earlier.
0: Right, but I it, but already, it was like really horrible when you got.
1: Yes. Here. Well, but it had already started and I lost already some amazing friend in Sweden. Uh but yeah, uh for sure and uh, Jose Luis was lost to AIDS. Uh my my dear friend uh, David Seidner, the amazing photographer was also. I mean, I oh, there was a, a saying at the time It's like, oh my god, there goes all the good taste, you know. <laughs> uh did but, it feel uh, like, like if
0: you knew 10 people like in your orbit that you, someone was going to die?
1: Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. And then also, it wasn't only AIDS, but AIDS was a huge one because it came from sort of nowhere and people didn't know how to do deal with it. And there were also horrible things that happened, like rumors that uh, so-and-so had AIDS, uh, so-and-so makeup artist had AIDS, and therefore he was contagious and, you know, nasty You're stuff ki- like that. Ooh. Oh, no, that's wow. bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the time also, uh, to be honest, there was a lot of the, – the competitive spirit was on the vicious side of things, um, so there was a lot of bad behavior. Okay,
0: I want to talk to you about that, because I've seen even the time that I've been a makeup artist, things are ch- changing, that behavior that even was al- would have been allowed – I mean, it, Me Too made it even more so. But even before that, it's gotten to a point where b- that type of bad behavior, I feel like, is less and less tolerated.
1: I'm not tolerated at all, right. at so, all. Because now it's about money and time. You can't be there creating some drama that's going to halt the whole production. How did you... Because I
0: I think that you're tough. And I mean that in, like, a, a good way. But I think anybody who meets you or was on set with you 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 have a I, maybe tough is the wrong word, but you do have a presence, and it there is a thing that we're not going to fuck with you.
1: Oh, yes. Did you get? I, I used and, to live for those days. So I was
0: like, oh my god, someone's going to do it, and we're going to witness Brigitte take them down. <laughs> Just live for that. But is that because you work with so many assholes or so many? Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah well, you, sure. have to, you have to toughen up. You have to build an armor because you are. You know, you're going to get uh, stabbed <laughs> or, or, you know, stabbed or, or somebody's going to lay out traps for you all along the way. And it started from the very beginning, you know, even, uh, you know, when I was an assistant uh, uh, and I then graduated to Jose Luis told me to join him in a new agency in Paris. That agency had every big star. So, Tien, the makeup artist, uh, Thibaut Vabre, all these names, uh, Jacques Clément. And I was the person, I was the only assistant who had made it into the roster as a makeup artist, but I wasn't working that much. But what happened was that José Luis taught me so well that I could imitate anybody's style. And for instance, Tien was shooting a huge series with uh, Sheila Metzner and Polly Mellon as the editor, whatever. And he couldn't do day three because the, the shoot went over. And he reluctantly had to show me how he had done the makeup, which is a, that's another story in itself. But anyway, and I was able to replicate the makeup. So I was doing that. And then Cosin Luis got the phone call from a couple of these guys saying, why are you teaching this girl? She's going to take all our jobs wow yeah and he defended me and and i will these are i will never forget this i because i was there on when he was talking on the phone and he says but darling you have to be the best you just have to be better than her and then hung up <laughs> <laughs> so um
0: did that become your mantra
1: totally <laughs> absolutely i i heard uh, uh, the same advice from a from Evander Holyfield the four-time world champion boxer who who I was on a shoot with uh, and my job that day was to rub oil all over his body which I did not you know that did not suck um <sighs> and uh, but I had to you know he was about to do this uh, you know iconic or epic rather um uh, match with <laughs> Tyson who bit his ear off Oh, right. If you guys don't know, you need to look it up because it's epic. Anyway, oh, I
0: remember that.
1: So it was a week before, and uh, we all knew that he was going to fight Tyson, who I had met a couple of times, and who's the scariest person at the time <laughs> that I could ever imagine. And I, he sat there in my chair, and he was so sweet. He was so lovely. And I, I just heard myself blurt out, Mr. Holyfield, can I ask you a question? And it's like, Yes. Do you have to hate somebody to go into the ring and fight? Because for me, I could imagine nothing more terrifying than walking slowly up into a ring when everybody's like, you know, rah-rah-ing for for you or against you and hoping that something terrible is going to happen. And then you see this bull that's going to charge you. It's like, do you have to hate that person? And he turned around very calmly and he said these incredible words. It's like, no, it's like with makeup. You just have to be the best. Wow. Can you imagine? I mean, so Jose Luis, darling, and then Evander Holyfield. Anyway, so yes, so the the and the so that was the beginning of sort of the, the threat that I was a threat. So if you threaten somebody who's insecure, um they will fight you. And uh-huh. another agent of mine, Brian Bantry, who I adored, um, said darling, you can never fight a queen, you have to find another way. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, and it's good. No, he, he, coming but, from who, somebody who knew. Um, but anyway, can
0: you do makeup on someone who you I'm not going to say hate but don't like? Uh,
1: yeah, I can, but it probably won't be as good as if I liked you uh-huh not I'm, i mean because then it's pure technique and we'll it doesn't explain have, that well i i have a rock solid technique i think i could do uh you know makeup in my sleep i can i can put all the stuff on the face right. but uh so it's all going to be there and you're going to look fine but if i love you if i really care for you uh, if there's something about you and our energies somehow, you know, we understand each other or I understand something about you, it will be better because somewhere in the psyche, I'm going to have that generosity of looking a little further and, you know, just, just make that extra effort like you do for somebody you like.
0: Right. And it's also probably like you're trying to, then you're trying, you have the freedom to make something, to make art instead of just trying to get it right. Right.
1: Well, the art thing, you know, uh, Saint Laurent, Monsieur Saint Laurent, always said, you know, we we are in a profession that they call art, but he didn't agree with that. He said, uh, on a, I am a craftsperson, I am a craftsman, and on a good day, I may have an artistic uh, inspiration. So yeah. we're not artists. Come on, we're not. Well, it's, it's better good.
0: to think of yourself as not one too, because it's someone. I mean, it it takes down the pretense, right?
1: Yes. And, and and again, you can't fall in love with what you're doing because then you can't uh, fix it. You can't uh, undo it and redo it better. You You have to have a certain distance. Right. Um, but now. And also
0: know- they're going to wipe it off anyway. You know, it's like people who take two hours to do the makeup in the makeup chair and then you get on set and it's totally wrong. Oh, <laughs> and God. you're like, well, you just took two hours. Now what are you going to do? Take four? You know, it's like you that it's that type of attachment to what your own vision instead of the vision of what's best for everybody there,
1: there's that. And then there's also, uh, you know, if you look at any big artist, there's even a, a a short film of Picasso painting where you're hanging on every brushstroke that he's doing. And it's, he's, he's almost painted the whole picture and he's it through glass. So it's shot. So you see everything. And then he, He's almost done and then he hates something he did and he wipes it all off and for me that was like, oh my goodness that you know that takes courage. But then I've seen that very phenomenon on set also. Guy Bourdin was uh, you know there's a famous story where he he uh, had somebody just dis- he destroyed somebody's work on purpose uh, <laughs> he preferred it and it was a hairstylist and he, he turned around and said, you always have to be able to destroy what you've built. And it is true because, uh, otherwise, well, don't even think about it as anything close to, you know, even our artistic inspiration.
0: I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. It, I think it's so true. And it also frees you up, you know, it, exactly. it b- keeps your eye moving and it keeps things it, fresh.
1: Exactly. So I, you know, in, especially in the beginning, you know, when you make the mistakes, I mean, I'm sure you remember all of this stuff. Like oh, yeah. You're so insecure and everything. So I remember for instance, Okay, that was a lesson learned, right? And I remember starting off with the makeup. It's always about the skin, and I saw the skin just go to pieces. It just didn't work. The colors were wrong, whatever. And I found a way to pop myself, to place myself between the client and the mirror, so I, I would block it, and then I would uh, not make a big deal about taking it off. I wouldn't. I would use, you know, a sponge, a cotton, whatever, but to take it off. While they're not noticing. But no. in, for me, it was like, ooh, I could never have gone on with that.
0: That was not going well, well. I remember you saying, now, Quinn, if you, <laughs> if you realize that you can't fix the skin, it's just not going the way you want, you turn the chair away from the mirror. You put a little oil on your beauty blender and ask your client about their love life and wipe it off.
1: <laughs> Did I teach you that? Oh, yeah,
0: totally. Oh I've done it all the time. I mean, still, sometimes you, it's just like sometimes you miscalculate or you something well, and you're like, "I'm actually, being a pro is not getting it right on the first time. It's recognizing that, it, that you need to fix something and pause and maybe start over, I think.
1: Okay. Being a pro is to actually get the job done fantastically. How you get there is of nobody's concern. Right, <clears throat> and and the other thing is, how do you know? How do you know who's a good makeup artist? What makes a good makeup artist? Well, you know, any any a child could do an eyeliner, you know, if you show him. Um, it's not about the it's not about the stuff. It's not about the technique. It's not about the products. It's about the eye. If your eye is telling you don't go there, then don't go there because. You know, it's like two two chefs. You give them the same ingredients. One's going to cook up a gourmet meal, and the other one's like, meh.
0: When I was starting with you, I used to call it just the magic. But I would see a, a – because most people in, in the real world don't know what supermodels look like. They're mostly mutants with, you know, long fingers that are red, and they've got, like – they're very – they, they don't look like you, what you would imagine the hottest woman would look like who walks into the bar. It's not that. No. And we would have these girls, we did a lot of Victoria's Secret and would have the most beautiful girls in the world, one who I'm actually thinking about. And I'm looking okay. at them with my, you know, young eyes and going, I don't, what are we going to do? I don't see it. And every time you would do something with it that I couldn't see, it took me so long to be able to learn how to see.
1: That's and that, that's exactly that's really
0: what I learned from assisting was like it wasn't necessarily about how to, you know, you do learn certain techniques, but it was like I just didn't know how you got from point A to Z. That's that's it. I didn't
1: that's, know. Yeah. That, yeah. That's and exactly. you only
0: learn I don't know, unless you're a prodigy, I think you only learn by by seeing it over and over and you kind of make this encyclopedia in your mind or of trial and error, but you, you get better at seeing that.
1: Absolutely. And, and in, in our industry of fashion, et cetera, et cetera, if you're surrounded by other good people and hopefully people who are better than you, then you'll learn, you see, you, you learn to see. That's the thing. It's like, I, I was so lucky because I, I worked with those legendary photographers, but I also I came in when Iman and Jerry Hall were doing the runway. You know what I mean? And I was, again, a lowly assistant that they would beat up if I messed up. But I learned from them. I learned from the cinematographers, legendary cinematographers that I worked with on commercials. And they explain. It's like you see that between the fifth and the sixth lash. lash, There's a gap. And I see it. And he's like 500 feet away. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, my life is over right now. Um, but you so, learn do, from all of that.
0: How do you go from working with masters and the best uh you know, stylists and art directors and people who have an encyclopedia of fashion references?
1: Don't forget this. To, yes, to forget
0: today that. when ah. Instagram people I've had people show me Instagram references and oh. I didn't work with those people. Oh. How do you go from that to this? Like, do you just want to slit your wrists? I mean, are you, are you, do you feel like you're working in the time that best shows off who you are and what you can do?
1: Well, there, there's okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, first of all, let me tell you about how, uh, how it feels to be on set. So I come, you know, if, if people don't know me, and I'll grant, I'll grant it, I don't have that many Instagram followers. Uh, and often, these days, we're booked by people who look on Instagram. Uh, so I come in, and they might not know who I am. And they have no idea what I've done in my life. Um, and so I find myself there. And I'm thinking in my head. I have all this experience. I, I am like uh, the Queen's Gambit. I can see the end game, the the checkmate. I can see it. <laughs> By the time I've set I've set up and they've shown me the clothes, I already know where we're going. So, um, and I what I see is a lot of posturing. There's a lot of people who uh, fake it till they think they're going to make it, but they don't. Um, so that's, for me, it's, it, it, I, I'm now trying to avoid the, these kind of situations because it's, it's uh, not enjoyable. It's part of those not enjoyable things. Right. Um, but, but
0: not uh, all of your clients are going to have good taste. Very, so few do, that, you know, these days. I feel like it, like, you well, are going to be in a situation where you're asked to do something that you don't, you know, think is great.
1: I, 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 I just am not doing those jobs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I I will. I'm I, just
0: not doing that.
1: <laughs> well, I okay. I'll give you an example. I found myself. This was uh, not that long ago, uh, a, a year ago or so. I found myself with one of my most, you know, closest clients. That you know, I have several clients that I've worked with twenty years, thirty years, whatever. And we were on an editorial that had exactly that. Scenario, it's like I put my I, I set up and the minute they show me the mood board, I know where this is going to hell. <laughs> and uh, and why usually do you know that Oh, because I can tell that they don't know what they're looking at. So I can tell that the clothes make no sense. I can tell that they don't know what a good shoe is, what uh-huh. is a, a well cut coat and why things need to be together or, or look better if they are put together this way. Uh, I can tell that the photographer doesn't know light. Um, And then they show me a mood board where the makeup reference is everything from uh, the girl on the beach to Helmut Newton that they say, you know, somewhere in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kiss of death. So um, and in this case, uh, you know, for the most time, what I can do is I can try to protect my client by sort of stating you know helping the thing along a little bit and sometimes the 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 team is open and willing to listen especially if i come in with somebody who's got a big name Mm -hmm. um uh, but uh uh, on a very sad rare occasion that's not the case and i there's just so much i can do you know without becoming the art director so uh yeah that was uh (laughs) checkmate we were we were horrified by the result but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I uh, now it sounds like I'm being really bitchy against uh, uh, the, the – the No, kids. it doesn't, <laughs> because we've all
0: been there. Do you remember that time we were on a shoot in L.A. with a really big star, Ooh, right. like a singer, and it was a cover shoot? And you came up to me in the morning and you go, Quinn, I didn't remember the photographer's name but i totally had it out with him like a month ago <laughs> and i'm sure he never wants to see me again it was hysterical i mean yeah, the I day ended up being actually like totally fine
1: i don't remember that at all but uh but yes that wouldn't that does not sound surprising <laughs> that does not sound surprising at all um oh my gosh no you and i used to laugh a lot a i lot. remember when you see, the, the thing about the clients, and, and you were asking me earlier, like, what do you do? The bad behavior, et cetera, et cetera. It's like it's a matching of energy. And I know that my clients, the ones that I've kept for over 20 years or, or 10 at least, are always strong, uh, smart women. That's just who I gravitate towards. And then there are colleagues of mine who gravitate towards uh, women that need a lot of uh, support uh, sucking yeah, up codulated. to whatever. Yeah. And they need that adulation. I can't do, I'm, it's physical. I can't, I can't suck up. I've never been good at sucking up. So, and I have no poker face on top of it all. So, um, uh, so what happens is that you have to find a way, right? And in this case, I was, a. I was assigned to work with this really big singer. I remember mm-hmm. this performer and I was like, how am I going to make this work? Quinn, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute. She's from California. He's from California. He's cute and he's gay. She needs that love. And I remember throwing you in there like a piece of raw meat to divert her attention while I was doing and my makeup. I was makeup.
0: giving her jazz hands. I <laughs> you remember that. We were,
1: <laughs> you were completely doing it.
0: We were doing the Humpty Hump, the Humpty dance. By the end of the She and I. Yes, together. of
1: course. No, no. You were, yeah. you were freaking frack. And I was like, wow. Got that done, you know. Well, um, you know, if
0: you're gonna be an assistant, you either had to be really like entertaining and there and helping out, or you had to be someone who was like, you know, could do like military folding and sheets and like really organized. And I just realized really
1: Japanese quick. as I used to call yeah. it. So Today we're be, gonna be Japanese.
0: Ugh, yeah, that's <laughs> not good at being super, you know, fastidious. I had to be more myself.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, Brigitte. I wanted to know one more thing, and then I was hoping that we could play a little game okay. um, at the end. But I, I'm asking everybody these questions. Um, it's a kind of follow through for everybody. Looking back at yourself, you know, um, if you were able to go back into a time machine and meet yourself somewhere back in time, and you went up to yourself and tapped yourself on the shoulder, what would you
1: say? Oh my God. <laughs> I would have a sermon for me because I, at the beginning, I made every mistake in the book. Every mistake. You could, you know, I spoke up when it was not my turn or my place. I could I didn't read the room right. I, you know, it was all about me. It, I mean, I, I aligned myself with the wrong people because I can't suck up. So it was like, I like this person. She's fun, or he's fun, and it's like completely not the person to have made friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would take myself, grab myself by my twenty-year-old shoulders, and said, "Be smart. Just be smarter. Don't." don't think that you have to love everything and don't think that everybody has to love you because it's not going to happen <laughs> mm. and i think things would have uh maybe i would have gone somewhere
0: <laughs> i i think that is so true that not every you don't have to be for everybody and sometimes when i found out that somebody doesn't like me it's actually liberating cuz you're like a you probably knew it and b it's like oh well who cares? Life went on, and you don't like me. Fuck off. You know.
1: Yes, yes. There's that. But there's the more hurtful is like they pretend they like you, and then they turn around and make sure to tell some your agent that they really didn't. So, you know, in this business, we have to deal with a lot of rejection. You know, didn't get yeah. the job. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, and you, you know, the great thing is if you can detach your personal self from your uh, uh, career self and and just understand that it's not the same thing so a rejection in work doesn't mean that you are lesser of a person
0: that's really hard to do but it's really absolutely yeah
1: well I've, I've i've um i have had the opportunity to be on literally every side of this business from you know i've, I've worked on product development shows uh, you know music videos whatever i mean i've done it pretty much the gamut and i've also been a client because i was a um a fashion editor at um uh, lifestyle magazine so i booked so i know how that works i also was a model so i know how it feels to be touched on your face and have bad makeup done on you and it's 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 a terrible thing yeah. It's a terrible thing. It's a, it's a make down, you know, like you get out of your chair and you're just a little less than what you were when you sat down. Ugh. Oh, no. So I have a lot of empathy. I have a lot of all of that, but I also do understand to separate the two. Um, okay. You know, they don't like me. So what? Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to just be fine. It's going to be, it's not the end of the world. That's for sure. i just move on.
0: Totally and also having kids probably helped that because
1: oh my gosh well the kids you had something i mean bigger
0: to you have to go home kids don't know that you had a bad day you've got to like make dinner right oh
1: for, sh- oh, for sure no no that's the, you know the, you go to your other full time job but no the thing about the kids is uh, well a i had children at a time when it was quite uncommon in the industry as i was saying there was a it was very male dominated and um also, and, and the, the few women who were in there, not, I mean, I literally, there's a, a, a I can count a few on my hand to, who had kids around that time. And what happened to you is, you know, you went from the cool girl, the cool chick, fun to have around, party, let's have a drink, let's, you know, all of that stuff, to, oh, uh, she's going to go home because she's got a family now. So you've become uncool. And I have to sort of start over, restart my career twice. Uh, but pretend have-
0: you don't have kids at home.
1: By pretending? No, it's just that you find yourself, uh, you know, you've been downgraded. Now you don't work with those people anymore. Now you work with these people, and you kind of of have to climb your way out. You're there with the people who have to make amends about something else that was bad that they did.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I think that...
1: I found the has myself-
0: come far from that. From I mean, now a lot more people have kids. I think it's still probably oh, it's really but it's a, hard. But 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 no, no, but no, no,
1: but now it's. First of all, there's a hundred million times more uh, glam, uh, you know, hair and makeup stylist, everything than there was before, um, and uh, the, you, you know, the whole industry has changed. I mean, uh, the first year, uh, let's see, two years into my moving here, I was traveling 200 days. A year, mm, you know, I was yeah. gone for three weeks at the time. Uh, you you made a trip to a far away, like the Seychelles. You were gone for two weeks. Um, you know, it's not it was not an overnighter. It's it not
0: conducive of- always to having a family.
1: Really, no, nor a love life. Uh, I think it's very, very. Um, it's just too too demanding of everybody, and um, so you had to make choices and sacrifices at the time and. And then I went and I had kids that was, you know, but fortunately I had, uh, I had some really good allies in the business and good, uh, you know, friends in the business too. So, but I felt, I felt the, I really could tell that I had to start over, you know, because also I would take three to six months off. So, but you know, the kids, even though, you know, they're a handful at times and they're now in their twenties, thank God for them because I know what's going on.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think it's really important to stay around young people.
1: Oh my gosh, I would have no idea. And being, you know, arrogant and French, I would probably not have wanted to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd be Um, like, um, I've just been watching that Fran Liebowitz documentary on Netflix. You'd be her, but I love her. She's amazing. I
1: saw it. I saw it. You know, pretend it's a city.
0: Yeah, so good. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the game. Um All right. If I say anything in French, will you explain before you answer what it is?
1: Oh, you naughty boy! I yes. know what's okay. coming.
0: All right. Okay. Well, first one is softball. Paris or New York?
1: Oh no, that's you get not to a choose softball. One. Damn it! Well, at this point, I guess Paris.
0: Okay. All right. Well,
1: maybe. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Since. Since uh, the uh, Biden inauguration, maybe I'll probably re- rethink it.
0: I know it changed. The four last
1: years have been challenging, but now I feel differently. I, I recognize where I am.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, worst four years. It felt like twenty years.
1: Oh, um, century.
0: Okay, Bobo or Cezian?
1: <laughs> um, I would be. Bo- you have to
0: say what it is.
1: Oh, a bourgeois. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, bohemian bourgeois is Bobo. Right, Bobo. So you're in the left bank, et cetera, et cetera. And seizième is the chic, uh, conservative, uh, um, sort of upper East side kind of.
0: Right. So you're Bobo. I am definitely. Okay. Croissant or cronut?
1: Ew. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not a chance that I would go to a cronut. So croissant all the way.
0: Okay. Linda or Naomi.
1: Oh, honey. <laughs> I, mean, I can't choose. That's like choosing between two twins.
0: I know, right? Impossible. Yeah. Okay, I'll, you, can, you can plead the fifth on that one.
1: I, uh, I will, I will.
0: Well, here's another one. Helmut Newton or Guy Bourdin?
1: Oh, same thing. He can't. He really? Okay. can't. Okay. I, um, I, I, I had more laughs with Guy Bourdin, but yeah, no, otherwise it's like, no, it's the same.
0: Okay. Um, the eye banane or banane flambe?
1: Oh my gosh, that is hysterical. Okay. L'œil banane. La banane is what we call the crease makeup.
0: Right, because it looks banane- like a banana.
1: Well, it doesn't really, but that's right. what we used to call it. But um, And banane flambe, of course, is the dessert. So I would go with l'œil banane.
0: Okay. You're going with the eye?
1: Yes, of course. Okay.
0: Um, caca d'oie or. Gorge de Pigeon.
1: Gorge de Pigeon, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so, okay, yeah. So,
1: Cacadois is a, the French have amazing names, especially in the arts and crafts uh, world. They have amazing names and denominations. Um, in, in couture, there were a hundred that were hilarious. So, the this one is from color. And Cacadois is literally uh, goose poop. Mm. So a particular so you know shade of goose poop. Yes. So you know what that is. It's like a beigey brownie sort of in Ocury? that world.
0: And gorge what's up? Is it ochrey too?
1: Depends what goose you are talking about. Right. It depends if, if the goose has just, a parasite. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's it's sort of it's a beigey brown, let's put it that way. Okay. And then gorge de pigeon is a pigeon chest. So that's a sort of a grayish bluish kind wrote of pigeon thing.
0: throat in my notes. But. Yes.
1: throat. All right. Okay. Make it, make it that. Um, yes. Pigeon, uh, go to pigeon.
0: Okay. All right. We're doing good. Greasy eye or greasy hair.
1: Ooh, they kind of go together, don't they? <laughs> well, I, I'm a, I'm a makeup artist. So I'll go with a greasy eye.
0: I would think so too. Yeah. Um, French fries or French braid.
1: Oh, surprise of course
0: totally french vogue or italian vogue
1: oh crap another separation of the conjoined twins um well i had to i have to go to with vogue paris but reluctantly
0: okay that's your your heritage you gotta stay you know patronized. i gotta stay
1: true yeah
0: strong brow or bleach brow
1: oh well how strong instagram strong never Um, but a a decently shaped darkened brow. Yes. Chic has to stay chic.
0: Not a, not a stencil brow. Uh, new. Okay. Um, your lost luggage and you must replace quickly. So you have no kit or no brushes.
1: Oh, you're rough. Well, it's certainly, all of it has happened to me over the years, of course, And let me think, uh, I can't work without the brushes because I have stories about when that happened and I didn't know what I, I suddenly, it's like, I've never done makeup before. Uh, and you can always, I always say there's always makeup at the, you know, Dwayne Reed that you should be able, if you're a good makeup artist, you should be able to do it. And then I found myself in that situation and I was like, why did I ever say that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I would have to go with, uh, I keep the brushes
0: totally i agree okay foundation too pink or foundation too yellow
1: oh gosh uh, both of them are tossed in the garbage um i think uh maybe the 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 you're you mean orange because that's the new orange right. is a new pink it's like it's all orange i think it's easier to neutralize an orange than a pink
0: okay i'll take that all creams or all powders
1: um, I, I like the cream.
0: Yeah. Cool. And last row, aisle seat by the bathroom on a flight or middle seat between babies?
1: Oh honey, that you, nah, that's not fair. Um of course, a seat by the bathroom. <laughs> of course I'd choose a,
0: a bathroom over children.
1: I have I have children, but I I have to tell you that I only like children who behave.
0: <laughs> I've had both and they both are not what you want to see on a be on a flight, you know. No. Yeah. No. Um Brigitte, thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh, it's so special. I just love talking to you. And I'm so grateful for having you um, as, you know, a mentor and a friend and somebody well, who I still call I, for advice.
1: I, you know how much I love you. And I think this is really hilarious. And I think you're doing a great job with this. Wow. And, and you're not talking enough about your accomplishments because I have to... Like when do you? What year did you assist me? I don't even remember.
0: I think it started in two thousand six or seven.
1: Okay, so yeah. since two thousand six or seven, uh, you know, I want I want everybody to know how well you're doing and how great a makeup artist you are.
0: Oh, thank you. It means a lot. And I know one thing before we go is Brigitte. Cannot lie. If she doesn't like no. something, you're, she's probably going to tell you just straight out. But or she won't say it. So whenever you give me a compliment, but then
1: I turn deep red and I it's look like <laughs> looks like I stopped breathing.
0: But your compliments really mean a lot because you know that that it's that it's really. Um,
1: it's from along. the heart. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, all right. Well, take care and um, talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.